What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and this week's guest is Evan Woodall. I was turned on to Evan's playing through a previous guest of the podcast, Sheridan Riley of the band Always. Evan got his start in the internationally acclaimed Roosevelt High School Jazz Program in Seattle before going on to earn a jazz study degree from the University of Washington. Go Huskies! Evan has toured the world with countless acts, but remains an ambassador for the Seattle music scene. He also maintains a private studio, works with the local jazz institution Origin Arts, and is one of the co-founders and current organizers of the Racer Sessions, a bi-monthly free improvisation series and forum for cutting-edge composers and performers. I'm a huge fan of his playing, knowledge, and perspective on music, so I hope you enjoy the five records that helped shape Evan Woodall into the drummer he is today. Cheers. walk into pro drum or in your case maybe trading musician and they're doing the grooves of the day thing and they say evan you have a minute 30 seconds to a minute what does evan play that's a good question yeah um yeah so many of those are like grooves you know and like i feel like i'm a little bit more comfortable like you know like if i just go into my practice room and i'm just like playing i i, I kind of really enjoy just improvising but not necessarily like in a groove kind of a context just like more open like spacious way so it's not <laughs> maybe it wouldn't be the most instagram friendly like i you know i like to i like subtlety and weird sounds and uh <laughs> that's not a wrong answer you know, by the way that's not uh, a who cares about instagram but i guess you are literally i asked you for instagram so <laughs> yeah um grooves i don't know like it like the kind of i mean when i just go into a drum shop you know i often like will just play like some kind of a jet like if i'm testing out stuff maybe just like play some swing time you know i feel like that's the kind of my standard kind of thing to see what something sounds like but yeah if it was like a drum set and i wanted to just like explore it and have fun i might just be a little more open with it and and yeah it could depend on like what the stuff sounds like how, you know, if it's like dry sounding or really, really resonant, I'd probably, I, you know, I'm like a Rogers guy. <laughs> Me too. I kind of like how like they have this kind of big open sound, you know, it's not quite as like contained maybe as like a Gretsch, like not quite as like tight and jazzy as that. It's like a little more open and, and I, I don't know. Yeah. So I'd probably I'm do nodding some my weird, head. Weird, I'd probably do some <laughs> weird stuff. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm just doing like a solo improvisation at like racer sessions or <laughs> yeah yeah 
Speaking of racer sessions, if people don't know, <laughs> we talked about that with Chris last time. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So when you improvise, this might be the most basic question, but is it really just dependent on what you had for breakfast that day? Or do you like to start off on the snare or the cymbals? I mean, is it really just doesn't yeah. matter? Well, yeah, at racer, I mean, it's really all about who you're playing with. And, and we have a different artist, you know, who does an opening set each each session. And that can have a huge effect on on the whole night like depending on their vibe if they have any kind of specific concepts they're bringing to the night if the improv before you is like just this like very minimal thing then maybe i'll feel like just going up there and kind of going nuts or something you know just like at something it's like a little contrast you know so it really depends um that session is all about just listening to other people and and i mean i try not to go up there with too many preconceived ideas or, or goals or anything but so it's it's wildly different yeah from <laughs> oh, i love it it's just about yeah it's really just about listening and, and listening to each other and making sure like everybody can be heard too and, and like you know if you're playing with a cellist who's unamplified i'm gonna play really quiet if i'm playing with like a guitar player you might just like go ripping you know mm-hmm. pretty hard right but yeah i've been really into improv probably the last year of in in, in my practice routine because i don't come from a jazz background i come from a more pop sensibility i guess and i'm in the middle actually i'm almost done with it but in the throes of effortless mastery for like the third time and uh oh yeah it's such an incredible book if people don't know it um it's i just started i just i just read it for the first time i'm like well I'm, i'm towards the end but yeah it's really good. I mean, it's easily digestible. Maybe a few, a few uh, longer than usual evening sessions you can get through it. Yeah. But it's a really beautiful book, just about getting in the headspace for improv and kind of like what you were saying, just no pre- preconceived notions. Just, I mean, yeah, it might be very basic and surface level for someone who's really into improvisational music. Uh, but for me, it's really approachable and it's at least a good stepping stone into the getting out of your own way mentally. Vibe. Yeah. And I and I hadn't read that before, but yeah, there's like a lot of stuff there. I mean, yeah, Razor Sessions been going on for 14 years, and uh, you know, but reading that now, yeah, I mean, like I'm, there's a lot of uh, stuff in there that's very yeah, applicable to just improvising with people at a jam session, and well, really to anything, but yeah, but like the whole thing of just being like relaxed, like that's like the one of the primary things. Just make sure you're like relaxed and like don't care about sounding good. Mm-hmm. So like that's a big thing at like Razor too. It's like we're trying to make it a safe space to like experiment, like really like do, you know, experiment. Don't worry about sounding good or playing like, you know, some hip, whatever, you know? Yeah. It's fun. There's a quote in the book that I'm going to butcher, but it was, and I don't even remember the artist, maybe it was Dizzy Gillespie or something, but a, a, a pianist was talking about how they were playing with them, the artist, and they hit a wrong note on the piano and they were mortified. And then Dizzy was just like, I hear you. And then Dizzy adjusted they adjusted their solo based off those new chords because Dizzy was just like, I interpreted it as a, f- a fun chord choice, not a, as a mistake. And so it just like cultivated this beautiful relief of like, there's, li- I mean, to quote Miles Davis, there's no wrong notes, you know? So it's just, it's, yeah, I mean, the racer sessions, next time I'm up in Seattle, if it coincides, yeah. I'd love to come. That'd be so fun oh, to yeah. just be there. Yeah. And you can just, you know, there's no pressure to play either. You can just hang and check it out, but. Love it. Um, yeah, first and third Sundays at Gallery 1412. 
Okay, there you go. People write that down. Um, well, speaking of Miles Davis, I didn't even mean to do this, but uh, <laughs> the first choice is uh, such an incredible record. Album's Kind of Blue. Artist is, of course, Miles Davis. Released years 1959. Listen to the whole record front to back, but a few key choices were So What, uh, Freddie Freeloader, All Blues. The drummer that I don't think is talked about enough, but it's Jimmy Cobb. Maybe at least from my perspective, maybe in, in your world, he's up there with everyone else that you talk about. But at least in the general realm, I don't hear his name a lot. Anyways, Jimmy Cobb, what about this this record and this playing tickled your fancy? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I kind of hesitated to put this on there because it's like it, it's most essential jazz record or whatever, you know, like it's like a given, you know, but like it would just be dishonest to not put it on there. It was when I first started playing jazz in, in middle school, my director, Mark Escobedo at X-Time Middle School, I, I got up to the drum set and there was like a chart in it, you know, had like quarter, eighth, eighth quarter. And I was like, oh, I got this. And I went like, ding, 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 <laughs> you know, playing it straight. And then he's just like, I think the director like cut off the whole band. He's like, drummer it's like here comes the bride here comes the bride you know and uh oh i've never i've never heard it as as someone yeah. say swing is to sing that song that's funny yeah I, I hear like you know walk the dog a lot but yeah he would say here comes the bride and uh and then after that class I, he was like he's like evan like just go home and listen to this album kind of blue like just go listen and then he played it on his computer like just to give me like a sample he's like just play along with this and check this out and i was like whoa like okay like i never listened to like jazz but i just kind of did jazz band because it sounded cool like my friends were doing it and so yeah then i like you know went to fred meyer and bought the cd that was like the only CD I had, jazz CD anyway. I mean, I had bought like Linkin Park and, you know, Third Eye Blind and, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. As far as jazz, this is all I had. So I just played this endlessly and played along with it. Really had a huge influence on like just the way I play time, like, the you know, my sense of swing, like comping. I can like sing along to like all those solos, you know, like just that kind of phrasing. And so everything, those few tracks where they're kind of like, swinging like i feel like those were the ones i played along with the most because that was like what we did in middle school jazz band would play like swing tunes sure all right so which which uh song do you want to listen to so what freddie freeloader or all blues yeah i mean it's so what is cool yeah there's like that long intro you could start at like 130 or something there's like a trumpet solo that's where it starts like jimmy starts playing Yeah, like I, I don't have anything new to say about it. Every, everybody's heard this, you know, I'm sure like a million times. It's like all the comping is just so tasteful. You know, all the solos are like just completely masterful and, every, you know. But it's okay know. to bring it up because like I guarantee 
And I'm talking to a, a listener right now. You're listening. You feel insecure about jazz music. You don't know where to start. This is a great one to start with. So there's, there's yeah, yeah. never a, a wrong time to start. Um, yeah. And so I'm yeah. happy that you were uh, honest with yourself. I was like, no, I, I need to talk about Kind of Blue. I'm not going to you know, be too cool for school. So listen to it. Get into it. I've only, like I was saying earlier, I've only really been into jazz and really trying to get into it the last year or so. But uh, yeah. All right. So great. number <laughs> number two. Um, yeah. And so we discussed before, uh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yaya Three. Sure. It is based off the bass player you said, whose oh, last the, name? The organist, organist. Samuel Hell. But yeah, so Yaya Three. Y A Y A. The number three, all one word. Um, so Yaya Three. The artist is Yaya Three. Release series two thousand two. Key track is Slow Orbit, and then the drummer is basically what I've decided is my favorite drummer these days. Yeah. Levon Helm is still up there. Will always be. But Brian Blade. And so yeah, take it away, and then we'll listen to some Slow Orbit. Yeah, man, and Levon Helm too. Gosh, oh, yeah. I had a hard time keeping him out of. I mean, yeah, he's up there. Yep. Um, Brian is, yeah, I, I would say my number one. I mean, I, I just like, and it was hard to pick an album. I mean, just everything he's played on. Like, I mean, there, I went through a long period of just like just devouring as much Brian Blade as I possibly could. I mean, I just, yeah. And another, there's another one. Like the first moment I heard it, I was in like a a, a summer jazz camp. It was at it was being held at University of Washington and this instructor is a local player, he's great, Jay Thomas. Put on this track, I don't even remember what track it was, but after I I remember being like, Whoa, like what is this? This is great. And then like afterwards it's like, Yeah, it was Brian Blade on drums. You know, all his stuff with fellowship, all his stuff with this trio, Samuel Hell, Joshua Redman, uh Kenny Garrett, I mean, Wayne Shorter, I, I mean like it just is really hard to pick an album. Um seeing him live is like a huge part of it too like watching videos seeing him in person i've gotten to meet him a couple times i mean he's just like you know he has like just like an incredible presence and just like energy and so yeah but this i just picked this i mean i love this album and this track in particular just has some like incredibly tasty classic brian blade stuff going on i mean just like i've listened to this track in particular like a uncountable number of times but you know i still like hear stuff in my playing where i'm like just trying to just trying to be like brian blade <laughs> what would he do yeah
Hey, y'all, I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye well, number three, the album is Speak. The artist is Speak, and uh, released here is 2010. And this is a, a friend of the pod, friend of you, um, Chris Acasiano. Yeah. yeah, the key key tracks, Mustard Knuckles, um, Amalgam in the Middle, <laughs> which is a funny <laughs> name. Yeah, take it away. I remember seeing this band for the first time. They came and, and visited my high school. We were doing like a, it was like a benefit concert for the saxophone player, Andrew D'Angelo. Yeah, they played, and I was. It was like such a cool blend of jazz and and like interesting ways of improvise, like more open kind of. It was like my maybe my introduction to a little more of like an open, free kind of improvising, not like over changes necessarily or like a form. And like mixing rock and like metal and some of the melodic stuff is like a little poppy kind of. Kung Vu plays in this band. He's faculty at. University of Washington, and he brought so much of his influence into this. So there's like, you know, glass prism, like all these things are coming through speak and then just like punk jazz. Or, I don't know. Yeah, it just totally. had like a cool like edge to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that had a definitely a huge impact on me and like it influenced my decision to go. I went, I attended University of Washington. And I mean, this album is, I've listened to this album a lot, but it's, it's more so than the album. It's like just, hearing and seeing this band a lot live and they were just really like i feel like the spark that kind of started like this whole scene at um surrounding university of washington and racer sessions cafe racer and i've gone on to like you know be friends with them like play with all of them and so like it just yeah just like started this whole thing like this massive big era of my life so yeah this album yeah i love it yeah. Would you, would you want to listen to Mustard Knuckles or Amalgam can, in the Middle? Uh, mustard Knuckles is a little more of like a long, slow burn. So maybe you could just 
play like Amalgam in the middle from the top. I, okay. I think that's cool, yeah. Cool album art, too. So, number four, Offend Maggie is the album. The artist is Deer Hoof, or Hoof, and uh, the release is 2008. Key track, Jagged Fruit, and the drummer is Greg Saunier. So, mm. take it away. Yeah, um, the bass player for Speak, Luke Bergman, uh, was the one who introduced me to this album. I remember he, he was driving me in, in his car going to something, a rehearsal, I don't know. He, yeah, he had the CD. He's like, have you checked this out before? And he played it. And I, you know, I get another one of those moments where I was just like, wow, like, <laughs> oh my God, I'd never, you know, never heard that. That's like changes everything for me. It's like, I love it instantly. And it's like the sound, the, the humor of it, the, I mean, there's some really cool, like the compositions are really cool. It's like a nice mix of like playful and fun and weird. And, and also like a headier maybe stuff like cool harmonic stuff. The drumming obviously is like so fun and and like wild and so energetic and, and yeah you know, again seeing this band live is a, a big part of it just like they're they've got this like kind of telepathy going on like where they can just change tempos like you know together with you know they just can feel each other and they're just like all like moving and it's not it's like amorphous yeah are they still pretty so, active I you know I think they I think so I think they still tour and and put out music i think they just put out an an album not too long ago did he did any of his setup and the way like his symbol choices his weird weird sizes i mean did any of that influence you or when you got Um, into him not so much like the specific gear like i mean i i I mean i maybe have occasionally done it but like yeah the the thing where he he puts two ride symbols together or whatever for his Mm -hmm. (laughs) hi-hat i don't really do that a lot um I think it's mostly just like the way he plays yeah. is like had made an influence. Yeah. Like just like the high energy thing. Like it's just really bombastic and like all my friends who I was making music with were like also influenced by this. So like it just worked that the drumming style kind of had a, an effect on me and then kind of fit in with the kind of music I was playing with my friends. So I love his gear though. I love his, his sound. Like the, he's got such a distinctive, yeah. Like the, weird like kick, kick snare sound and like yeah the cymbals this is another like maybe a long burn kind of tune but i starting around 150 f- for like the next minute or minute and a half is like particularly rad i think Get your hands out of the 
get chills every time I listen to this part. Hell yeah. Like, usually his setup is pretty minimal. Like, often he's just, like... I mean, I think there it sounds like he had a tom, like a floor tom, maybe. But often he's just, like, kick, snare, hi-hat, like, in one, you know, ride cymbal. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, and they're all ride, the hi-hats, like, ride yeah, cymbals, exactly. you know? His kick drum's a ride cymbal. But it's like, so he, he can, like, just, like, with the extreme dynamics and just, like, he's so, you know, exploratory and does so much stuff to to keep it interesting and compelling like the whole time. Yep. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, he can go from like, just like chilling, like on the ding, 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 ding. And then it goes, you know, just like, like just explodes, you know, he has a lot of patience with time too. He definitely always, yeah. holds, it always feels like he's making sure that they're grounded. Yeah, totally. So dear hoof, listen to them for many, many years, nonstop. And yeah. another actually funny story is like there was one time I was at a, a show, a friend of mine from New York was visiting and somehow Deerhoof came up and he said, he like, you know, there's like for our generation, I feel like there's just like two, there's kind of like two schools for like people who kind of went to like study jazz in college. There's, there's like the Deerhoof people and there's like the Flying Lotus people. <laughs> I don't know much about Flying Lotus. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like a, I don't either. Yeah, I'm like okay. clearly like a deer hoof person, but yeah, this <laughs> yeah, is like exactly. an observation a friend of mine had. Like, he just felt like there's clearly like people who are like deer hoof heads and people who are like flying lotus heads are trying to. Anyway, yeah, that's like, awesome. <laughs> well, I need to go down to flying all... lotus. I need to figure out which one I am. Not that I'm a jazz guy, but um, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to be. I'm trying to be. Um, yeah. But all right, so uh, we've established it was Hi Ho uh, sure. by Blake Mills, and the release here is 2014. One of the key yeah. tracks is Just Out of View. And yeah. Mr. Jim Keltner, I do want yeah. him on the show as well. So take it away. It's a master. I, and, I, and I haven't seen Jim. This is like uh, an outlier on this list, I guess, because I haven't, well, I haven't seen Jimmy Cobb or Miles Davis. But yeah, I haven't seen, seen Jim play. And this one is like, it took the least amount of notes to affect me. I think it was like, especially on this track, it's like, like it just was like a resetting of like I, you know I think it makes sense coming after um so many years of listening to like Deerhoof and like I think a lot of the music I was playing too was like you know more on the complex side like playing bands like you know some through composed stuff and and then, yeah lately just it's been like a nice refreshing change of pace like like this kind of thing and and I think that's another reason why like Paul Motion I've been so into lately just like the patience and like the space and the the rubato kind of thing and like with this track it's like it feels like simple but then you listen to it it's like i love how there's just so much like subtlety and depth to what he's doing and obviously it's like recorded beautifully like you can hear like every little nuance that's going on um but yeah i remember like hearing a friend of mine levi gillis showed me blake mills for the first time and i mean i like blake's music too and his production and and like 
the songs are really cool and uh, but particularly like Jim Keltner's drumming was like can't believe I've never heard this before or like I probably I and now like getting more into Jim Keltner now it's like oh yeah he's like on like so many records I've definitely heard him but mm-hmm. just not like knowingly <laughs> you know I was like oh he's on Dreamweaver like what <laughs> oh really I didn't know that yeah. <laughs> but yeah I mean and like this this stuff especially like it's like so open and like I think speaks to me being kind of like coming from a jazz background and I like playing in, in this kind of way where it's like, there's a lot of variation or, or like you're improvising with, it's not just like a, a straight kick snare or, I mean, I love that too. Like, mm-hmm. but playing with musicians who are, who are like improvising musicians and just like changing your approach just subtly, like you might like in this track, he's just going and like varying where he's placing them, which drums he's hitting, how hard he's hitting them. Like, all those little things are really cool. Little symbol hits here and there. I like all that little subtlety. I love. It's like mysterious. I don't really understand like how he does it. <laughs> you know, like maybe he doesn't even know. Yeah, and I love his stuff with Bill Frizzell too. Like Gone, just like a train. That's another one. It's like some incredible. Like wow, what is going on here? I don't know how one person is doing this. Hell yeah! Well, here's just out of you. I do want to go into your honorable mention, Paul Motion. So take it away. Yeah. And this is an album I, I, I first heard when I was pretty young, like in high school. And, and I, I listened to it a lot, but it, I think back then, and maybe this is why it's not maybe like a top five. I was maybe just, you know, I, at that age, I was a little more into just jazz, big band, and, and uh, just trying to get better at that playing in like small groups and just, you know, more like 
slightly more straight ahead kind of stuff. But I love like listening to this album. Like it just, like, I can't really copy that. I don't know what he's doing and, but I, I like it. It was like beautiful and, and I and also I'm sort of like smuggling in Bill Frizzell here too, which is like <laughs> has a huge impact like on everybody. Like definitely my peers and and friends and yeah, but yeah. This band, I mean, like uh, like lately, like I feel like my default like go to th- when I want to listen to some music and I don't have any other kind of like specific thing I want to check out is like this pod. It's a radio show, but it's also in podcast form called Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, um, and it's so. Paul Motion's niece, Cindy McGurl, does this radio show out of Maine. It's the music of Paul Motion or music he was inspired by or music that he inspired. So it's like this all like Paul Motion's world. Wow. Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet? Yeah, yeah. They've got a lot of um, rehearsal tapes and and, uh, unreleased concert recordings of like this trio with Joe Lovano and Bill Frizzell, which is, you know, probably one of my favorite bands ever wow okay just like the way they play together and the way they take you know familiar songs like standard jazz standards or or things like that and and just make it into this fresh expression of it i just know that like the music that i make with my friends and the music my friends write like palm motion is like i can definitely hear it and even explicitly sometimes it's like yeah this is kind of like palm motion thing or you know it's like its own thing for the podcast, do they, is it interviews or they just, they, she just goes, this is, I'm going to play this record from start to, you know? Oh, no, she'll, usually it's not like a, a full record from start to finish. Uh, she'll play selections from it. Like usually like each show has a focus. Like I guess recently there was like a concert from France that was uh, recorded, but never put out officially on, a, on an album. Um, but she has the recordings. And so she would, if it was like a song that they're covering, like a, a standard, she'd play a recording of maybe like the original recording of that song or some other recording of that song that's not by Paul Motion. And then they'd play their version. Mm. Or maybe it was like another version that they recorded. So it's, and then she'll intersperse it with like, he kept like a day book. Like he would write like every day about touring and, and how his day was going, like recording sessions, rehearsals, like everything. So she she reads from that like she can see like oh yeah here's his day book like here's stuff he wrote like on this day that they did this gig he's also got like an autobiography that was unpublished that he he had sent like drafts to her and so she's reading from that too and yeah and I never got to see him live either unfortunately mm. but I've seen Bill a bunch and I feel like you know Paul's influence like you can kind of hear Paul like in Bill they they spent so much time together. Which track would you like to play from this record? Oh, uh, just the first one is is fine. Yeah. Osmosis Part 3? Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here we go.
this trio, I mean, they're all like master, you know, listeners and players and they're all like kind of giving each other space, you know, like it's, it's not, yeah, I think it requires the right setting to, to be able to explore those things and for those things to like have an impact, you know, Mm -hmm. like in, you know, certain bands I play in maybe like that kind of playing doesn't translate or, you know, come across as well or something. But one of my favorite things, like there's this, this band I play in where one song I just play just like, like literally like unchanging. Like I try not to change it at all. Like the same dynamic, same tempo. Like I just try to be like drum machine and that's like super fun and like really trippy too. It's like, well, I start to like <laughs> you hallucinate. hallucinate or something. Yeah, I'm like, totally, oh, dude. no, that's hypnotic but it's cool. as like, hell. I love that too. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> but all right, Evan. Well, if people want to get to know more about what you're doing, follow you. Um, I mean, literally follow you, I guess, on the socials, but just like mm. kind of get to know what you're doing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I have an Instagram account. I post there occasionally. You can follow me there. E S Woodle or probably just search my name. Um, I have a website. I try to keep updated with, you know, my re- recordings and I keep a little gig calendar on there. I try to keep updated and, um, evanwoodle.com yeah there's there's some like contact info on there too but yeah i'm just like yeah mostly hanging out around seattle right now i'm not doing a whole lot of um touring which is kind of nice i it's a tough life (laughs) on the road yes it is (laughs) but yeah just playing around seattle around the jazz scene so yeah you teach as well i do yeah i teach privately yeah right on well, Evan, thank you so much, man. This is I'm really excited to go into that Deerhoof record, the Speak record, the Yaya three. I mean, all of them really. Um, great yeah. choices. Yeah, man. This was this was a pleasure, dude. So hopefully, when I'm up in Seattle, maybe you, me, and Chris can all do something or get a coffee or oh, something. Yeah. That'd be really fun. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll and Sheridan. Make sure Sheridan, of course. Of and course. Ted, why not? Everyone. Yeah, yeah. We'll get Greg <laughs> Keplinger out. We'll get Sean Lane. We'll get everyone you together. You should do Greg. Yeah. Have you had Greg on? No. I would oh, okay. I would like to get him on. That'd be fun. Oh, man. Yeah, I'd definitely get Greg, man. He's... I want to get Sean, too. I want to get Sean. So. Greg's another massive influence, for sure. I, it's hard to keep him off this list, but he's great. I love seeing Greg play it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well we can we can talk about that forever too but uh i also need to get a greg snare so um Ooh, yeah i don't have one yet so it was great talking to you man and i'm sure i'll see you eventually so okay cool yeah thanks ben yeah take care all right man have a good day i see you, you too All right, today's big fat favorite is from donnie marple and he plays drums for lee bryce The album is live and very plugged in. The release year is 2003. The artist is Dave Weckelband. Song choice is The Chicken. And the drummer is, of course, Dave Weckel. So here is what Donnie has to say. I went to see Dave Weckel at the age of 14, and I'll never forget seeing the flyer in our high school band room. I honestly didn't know then that there was such a thing as a professional drummer. I assumed drummers were a dime a dozen, playing their part to fit the gig appropriately, but then I saw Dave Weckl and had my former mindset blown to smithereens. Thinking this was a glorified jazz concert, my expectations were low. From the first to the last note of every song, I was invested, studying every ghost note and dynamic of the show. It was the first time I heard a drum set make its own music and even create melodies. 
It reminded me of the movie Transformers, but the drums came to life instead of the car coming to life. From that day forward, I changed my mindset regarding my goals, and all I wanted to do was make other people feel the way I felt at Dave's concert. I also remember crying in disbelief that he could pull off some of these superhuman grooves, fills, and overall sounds on that Yamaha kit. Every cymbal, bongo, tom, and snare had a voice like a choir of heavenly percussion. Some songs sounded as if five drummers were playing at one time. I couldn't wait to get home and add some of these elements to my playing. It's been some process, and to this day, even playing for a country artist, I can see how Dave Weckl inspired me to be a drummer and a full-rounded musician. All right, here is The Chicken. the show if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews do that it helps more people find the show so it'll get bigger and better and hopefully i'll have a chance to sell out one day but you'll be an og listener that can brag to all your friends anyways why don't you go and check us out at bigfatsnaredrum.com and follow us on all the socials just search for big fat snare drum and you will find us the show is edited in part using isotope rx audio editor it's amazing so go check that out at isotope.com and thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.